Hello students, today I am going to deal with Lost Spring. This is lesson number 2 of Flamingo. This lesson has been penned down by Anise Jung. She writes about the grinding poverty, she writes about the exploitation faced by children living in slums and she talks about how they lead their lives. All this she does through two stories. The first one she has called Sometimes I Find a Rupee in the Garbage. In 1971, a lot of people from Bangladesh, they came to India and at that time, they were given the status of refugees. These people, they came from there because Bangladesh per se has floods almost every year. And the people who shifted here, they were given place in Seemapuri to live. These people, although they came from Dhaka where they had land and things like that, but their lands were flooded during the rainy season. So they hardly had any grain. They lost a lot of people from the families. Sahib, the protagonist of this story, is a young boy. And every day in the morning, he runs around. She says, crunching for gold. So she is looking for anything that is valuable. He's a rag picker. And he rummages through the garbage dumps of the writer's neighborhood. He doesn't even know that he belonged to Dhaka, that he lived there, that they have land there. His mother says they left Dhaka in search of a better environment in India. So she asks him, says, why don't you go to school? Why do you do rag picking? He says, I have nothing else to do. So she says, if I make a school, will you go to that school? The boy is quite excited at the prospect of going to school. And every time from now on, whenever he meets the writer, he always asks her, is your school ready? At that time, the writer realizes that promises like the ones she has made to him are abundant in his bleak world. Every time there are elections, every time there's somebody who's coming to visit that area, they make all these promises. But Every time when the election is over, they promptly forget these promises. One day, she asks him what his name is and he says, it is Sahib-e-Alam. Now, Sahib-e-Alam means Lord of the Universe. Had he known what it means, well, he would have a hard time believing it. This question is asked very often. How is Sahib's name ironical. The name says he is the lord of the universe, but the irony is that he is a rag picker. He survives on rag picking. Every day morning, a group of boys, they are barefoot, they come, they rummage through the garbage dumps, they take away whatever is valuable. So one day the writer asked them, why aren't you wearing any chappals? They give three reasons for not wearing any chappals. The first one says, my mother did not bring them down the shelf. The other one says, even if she did, he would throw them off. And the third one, he says that it is a tradition to stay barefoot. Seema Puri used to be on the outskirts of Delhi. It was, it's so near the capital. At that time, when she talks to these boys about uh, the chappals, she is reminded of a story that she had read about this man from Udipi. Udipi is in the southern part of India. 
and at one time it used to be a very very small town she remembers that there was a young boy there who would go to school and he was the son of a priest that time this boy did not have shoes to wear he did not have books his parents were living in perpetual state of poverty but if you looked at the temple well the number of people visiting the temple was quite a few 20 years 30 years later the same man when he went there he found that the priest had a house to live in his children were going to school they were carrying bags they were wearing shoes they were in uniforms he had a folding bed he had plastic chairs outside his house all that when the number of devotees coming to that temple was lessening over the years he says that progress has taken place in the country even in the remote parts but when it comes to simapuri which is right on the outskirts of the capital of india no progress has taken place she says simapuri a place on the periphery of delhi yet miles away from it metaphorically what does she mean that it is right there in the heart of the country right next to the to the capital of the country but it is miles away from all the development that has taken place in the country then she talks about how sahib's family had come to india she says they were squatters squatters means they came here without any permits they were refugees and they were given place to stay in simapuri which in those days used to be wilderness no development had taken place there she says it still is but it is no longer empty means no development has taken place even now but it is no longer a deserted place over the years these slum dwellers have grown in their population but still there is no sewage no sanitation no drainage no running water nothing even though there are 10000 rag pickers living there so when people are asked why they choose to stay here and not go back to their country they say food is more important for survival than identity now these people they do not have permits to stay here they do not have an identity here but they have ration cards and these ration cards have enabled them to be on the voters list so when they have ration cards well at least they can buy the grain which they were unable to do when they were in bangladesh because they had land but the floods used to wash away everything so they say that if we are able to go to sleep at the end of the day with food in our bellies we are quite okay with whatever we have then she says children grow up in these slums becoming partners in survival what does she mean by partners in survival well these children have to earn their own money to survive their parents do not earn enough to look after the large families they survive through rag picking whatever they find they sell and they give it as a share in their families garbage to them 
is gold this question comes very often how is garbage to them gold it is a it is a way of earning their livelihood for children well they are looking going or rummage through the garbage sometimes they find a 10 rupee note or they might find a coin which makes them look for more whereas for parents this is a means for survival they will pick up anything that is of value they will sell it and that is how they look after their families now one winter morning the writer says she sees sahib standing at the fence gate of the neighborhood club he loves to watch the players play tennis there when she asks him would you like to play he says no i am quite happy standing here she says that he goes in when there is nobody around and the guard lets him sit on the swing now sahib is also wearing tennis shoes but he is wearing those shoes which have holes in it some rich boy must have thrown it away so he has got those shoes and he is thankful that he has those shoes even though there is a hole in it that morning when the writer meets sahib he is on the way to the milk booth so she asks him so what are you doing now so sahib informs her that he is now working in a tea stall and he gets 800 rupees for working there and he gets all his meals so she asks him do you like your job he says no i don't like my job because he has lost the carefree look he still wants to roam around with his friends he likes that carefree living she says the steel canister seems heavier than the plastic bag that he would carry so lightly it is not the steel canister which is heavy it is a metaphor that is used for responsibilities that have come with this job those responsibilities are much more than what sahib is used to then she says sahib is no longer his own master now this question comes very often explain what does she mean by sahib is no longer his own master what is the irony in this one he has lost his independence and the cheerful look on his face two even though he is earning well and he is getting all the meals he is still not happy because he is bound by the requirement of his boss the tea stall owner the second story is about mukesh it is set in ferozabad it says the title of the story is i want to drive a car and mukesh is different from sahib one he is a little older and he insists on being his own master he wants to become a motor mechanic now what is ferozabad known for well ferozabad is known for glass bangles glass works and so on most of the lampshades that you find the glass ones most of the glasses the the indian variety that you find those are made in ferozabad so the writer asks mukesh do you know how to drive a car he says no 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 i don't know but i will learn to drive one and the way he says it you know he looks straight into her eyes and that shows the determination in his eyes he's sincere about what he wants to do in ferozabad all the families almost all the families who are living under the poverty line 
they are engaged somehow or the other in the glass blowing industry they could be making bangles they could be welding the glass they could be making glasses whatever but they are somehow connected to the glass blowing industry glass when things are made out of it the work is around the furnaces and mostly you will find that children are also engaged in this industry it is illegal for them to be engaged in this industry but nobody working there knows about these laws they work in high temperatures they work in dingy cells without air and light and they go through a lot of problems because of working around these hot furnaces often they lose their eyesight if you come out from a dark room into the light all of a sudden you become blinded and they do it all the time if you're sitting inside the rooms which have no fresh air well they develop a lot of respiratory and skin diseases because of the temperatures there these children they are not even aware that they are not supposed to be there anyways mukesh proudly tells the writer i will take you around and he tells her that he will take her to his house which is being rebuilt so they walk down to his house they walk through choked lanes they walk through dirty lanes there's no sanitation the lanes are choked with garbage crumbling walls and then they come to mukesh's house it has a wobbly door he just kicks the door inside and they walk inside the house it's a half built shack he says it's under renovation but it's actually a half built shack in one part of it well there is a stove which sits there it has a thatched roof on the ground there's a large aluminum vessel on which there are spinach leaves there are chopped vegetables and a frail young woman is cooking an evening meal for the whole family now she is doing it on a chula or or a wood fired stove now her eyes are filled with smoke she is a young woman but she is the bahu of the house so she commands that respect she already has a number of people under her command and those people are mukesh's father well his elder brother mukesh and his grandmother when they enter the house she gently withdraws behind the wall and she pulls her veil down because she is not supposed to stand barefaced in front of any male member of the family mukesh's father has worked throughout his life he has been a bangle maker he was first a tailor then he became a bangle maker but all he has been able to do is that he has been able to build this half shagged house the grandmother says it's his karm his destiny he's already lost his eyesight because of the dust that comes out of bangle making and these people because they have no other excuse and no other way out they start believing in their destinies most of these people are caught in a web of debts and loans they take loans from sahukars they take loans from anywhere and everywhere the pandits or the priests in the temples they make fools of them and 
just because they can't get out of this uh, lineage they are not well read they are illiterate they start believing in anything and everything the priests and the pandits say the irony is that these people who make these bangles bangles are a symbol of suhag or auspiciousness in marriage well these people who make these bangles actually they are losing sight because of these bangles they are not living a life of comfort they are living a life of penury the writer talks about savita she is a young girl in a drab pink dress now she is sitting along with an elderly woman next to mukesh's house and she is soldering pieces of glass she doesn't even know that these bangles that she is making symbolize the sanctity of marriage but then the writer says so one day it will just dawn on her when she gets married that these are the symbol of auspiciousness when the right bangles will be rolled on to her wrist when she becomes a bride the old woman who sits next to her well she became a bride many many years ago she still has the bangles but she does not have the light in her eyes she's already lost her eyesight and when you ask this woman how it has been throughout her life she says ek waqt sher bhar khana bhi nahi khaya means they did not even get one square meal in a day throughout their lives her voice doesn't hold any happiness it's drained of joy she says this is what we have reaped after so many years well as far as mukesh is concerned his father has at least been able to build that ramshackle house most of the people there they have not been able to achieve anything in their lifetime forget about a roof over their head the writer says if this is the condition why don't they do anything about it she asks mukesh why don't you organize yourself into a cooperative at least you will get good rates for whatever you are producing but then he replies that number 1 it's a vicious circle of sahukars the middlemen the policemen and the lawmakers she says those who are caught in the debts well they are beaten up by the police nobody wants anybody to thrive here it's a nexus which they can't come out from secondly he says if they get organized well they will be hauled up by the police they will be beaten and dragged into jail as if they've done something illegal thirdly he says that there's no leader among them because by the time they reach back home there's no initiative left within them they've got so used to poverty and injustice listening to them she says she sees two distinct worlds there one of these families who are caught in this web of poverty and they are burdened with the caste that they have been born into the other is the vicious circle of sahukars the middlemen the policemen the bureaucrats and the politicians who don't want them to survive and both these worlds have put such a baggage on their heads that they cannot put it down whether they are young or they are old they have to get into this business of bangle making to relieve themselves of their debts
they are not willing to take risks. But when she meets Mukesh, she says, I am cheered. Why? Number one, Mukesh, he hasn't given up on his life. He still wants to do something that he likes. He wants to be a mechanic and he's got a roadmap set on how to become one. She asks him, don't you dream of flying a plane? He says, no. He's very, very realistic about what he wants. He's never seen a plane fly over Ferozabad. But yes, he's seen the cars moving on the streets. And that is what he aims to do. There is no embarrassment in his voice. There's no regret as to why he wants to do that. So he's very clear about what he wants.